Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 50 of Confessions of a Market Maker. I'm your co-host, Ray, a.k.a. All Day Ray, a.k.a. Paulie Walnuts. And I'm joined here by my eclectic co-host, former market maker of 20 years and current day retail trader, a man who was never concerned with the outcome. He's only been concerned with his income. A man who has sold more paper than Xerox. I'm talking about the proper villain, JJ. Hey, good brother. How you doing? I'm doing real good, man. And you know, today is a special occasion as we have two distinguished guests. The first man I'll introduce is making his second appearance on this podcast. A man with 20 years experience of institutional equity and prop trading, turned Vietnam angel investor, now nonprofit founder, CEO, and social entrepreneur a man from the place that birthed the magnificent art form that we call hip hop. I'm talking about my man, Troy Prince. Troy, thanks for joining us again. Hey man, what's up, Ray, JJ, thanks for having me. Howard. And yes, and, to, and today our next guest is a man with an innumerable amount of accolades to his name. A man with more than 20 years experience in the financial community, acting as both entrepreneurial and investing capacity co-founder and chairman of StockTwits, the founder and managing partner of Social Leverage, an early stage seed investment fund, and the host of Panic With Friends podcast. I'm talking about Howard Linsden. Howard, how's it going? And two kids and one dog. Two kids, one wife, one dog. Two kids and one dog. You know, <laughs> Howard, I, uh, you know, I try to open the podcast with some energy, maybe some like witty antidotes. But, you know, after I've been listening to your podcast, it's not going to match up to the Barack Obama intro you have. I, I assumed you're a guy who has many connections, but a, a former president, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. How'd that come about? Well, I got Trump too, but he just, just rips me apart. He hates me, this Trump. Right. Uh, but uh, Obama is my my buddy Canute who runs the show. And I just, he, he we went to a great comedian, local guy here in town, a DJ, and he just does some great voices. So we wrote that up for him to do in his Obama voice. And, not, and we're not popular enough that Obama's noticed. Oh, okay. And, uh, so uh, at least it's good enough that people recognize. I go, what the fuck? They, people double take me and they'll send me a note. I go, was that Obama? Yeah. Oh, no. I'll always go, no, that wasn't Obama. Why would Obama say this for me? So it's really, yeah. really, you caught on there. But yeah, a lot of people don't, they, it, you know, if you only listen to it once, you may just go, what? And then if you listen to it regularly, eventually everybody calls me and goes, was that fucking Obama? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I did. Howard, I had to like double take. I was like, wait, no way. Like, I'm going to have to rewind this. But no, I, I love it, man. It's awesome. Uh, the Trump so one's really funny because, but I'm just so sick of that voice and that face and everything about it it's even though it's funny and it just attacks me in the whole intro like it's just it's not funny to me anymore the guy's such a fucking headache in my life just the yelling that's gone on the last four years yeah, yeah. And the hardship for people it's so so yeah we go with obama it's about a couple laughs and it's about teaching people that my whole mantra has been i'm lucky uh i keep trying to like stay one one second ahead of the the masses you don't have to be that far ahead of people yeah. and and so if if i could do this it's like larry david or dave letterman if i can do this nonsense anybody can do this mm. and Absolutely. and so so if i can do this anybody can do this and that's kind of been my i'm just trying to give this stuff away and tell people 
you know, that um, find the right mentors and read the right few books and listen to the right few podcasts now, forgetting it with like podcasts has taken it to a new level in terms of mentoring and education. And you too can have a lifetime investment. You go play pro sports. I was just talking to Ryan Neese who played for, you know, went played for 0-16 Detroit uh, Lions and in his rookie season won uh, Super Bowl Tampa Bay and, you know, runs next play capital. And his dad was Ronnie Lott. So the only father son to ever win Super Bowls. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a small fact. And, and the thing is like, everybody wants to invest, right? It's something you can do from like eight to 80, man. Like, yeah, it's not like football where you got to train your whole life and then it's over and you got to find your, you know, investing is the one thing we should be teaching people to do. That's the one reason America is great is that we have all this capital and all this like all this emergence and knowledge right like you know we talk about into we talk about technology well they have a great business china china's great at what they do but they have low margins us has all the high margins and the way to to take margins to the next level is teach people how to invest because that's where the that's where the margins are is in returns and so we're doing things so wrong in this country and i'm forgetting like all the great things but i'm talking about in, in investing and we're now in this revolution where Robinhood and StockTwits and Twitter and Telegram and a lot of companies that weren't even intended to be for finance are now being used for finance, whether it's Discord or Slack. And so FinTwit is everywhere. And the whole the whole name of StockTwits was like a play on the word twit, like who's the idiot? And, you know, the retail knows just as much as the institution and we've got to we've got to teach people this language you know for 30 years we taught people how to learn you got to learn spanish to compete you got to learn chinese to compete what we should have been teaching people is you know how to fucking you know how to manage money how to you know we're going to be printing this money for decades teach people how to invest it properly so we're behind we're way behind and now we're playing catch up and these kids didn't wait you know, COVID happened and Robinhood happened and stock twits happened and, and, and podcasts happened and Spotify happened. And now people are using this thing for what it should be used laughs and money. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and money is the language. Absolutely. Certainly can't be a coincidence that also within this same era, we have commissions going to zero um, fractional share ownership and so there's literally no excuse anymore like it's not a coincidence sorry yeah. to jump in howard no you said it like there is no the kids are going to do it so let's 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 give them some some good advice they're going to do stupid things you give a kid a gun give a kid free trading <laughs> give a kid a vape pen they're going <laughs> to give a kid tinder uh, they're going to use these things in ways that no one ever thought they're going to use it. Right. And, exactly. and same with hip hop and music, just what starts with the beat, you know, turns into a thing and then, and stocks is the ultimate thing. It's not stocks and investing are the ultimate equalizer, right? Done. Everybody Done. has inside information. You know, I was saying today that 150 years ago, the ticker tape, was created by some guy, I forget, I linked about, I talked about it. Just think about just from the inside information that that one ticker tape helped, like JP Morgan could read that and then exactly. say whatever he wanted to the rest of the people. Exactly. That was like God. 
And today the tape is everywhere coming at you from every angle and DMs and telegrams and Snapchats. And like, there is no ticker tape. I mean, there's price, but that's fucking it. And so no one has an excuse. So in an area where the ticker tape is like, we're a ticker tape in many ways, we're taking information in and digesting it and resharing it. So, you know, the stock market is this giant mem machine anchored to price. And if people learn the mem, and kids are pretty fucking good at memes or memes or whatever you call them, I don't even know how to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, memes. You give a kid a fucking Instagram and they come up with memes. So you give a kid Robin Hood and free trading and like fucking look out. Like the next Warren Buffett is going to be like a hundred times better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because you know the the younger ge- generation also you know grew up with video games and gaming, and then the stock market's essentially it's you know it's a puzzle. We're trying to, you know, we're all trying to figure this out. And I, I think for myself, Howard, what you mentioned with uh, Ronnie Lott's son, and I think for ex-athletes, I never took it to that type of level, but I was an athlete growing up. And it, it, you still got that competitive factor. You get to compete. Um, and that's a real, you know, big aspect that I enjoy. So so today we have you guys on to, you know, one, help uh, raise awareness for the Stock Twist First Charity Poker Tournament, uh, which is raising money for Troy's nonprofit, Wall Street Bound. Of course, you know, I want to talk some trading as well. So just a quick reminder to the listeners, if you guys want to learn market auction theory, market profile, trade futures, trade equities, join JJ and I at our lovely trading community at microefutures.com. I just want to start uh, off asking uh, both of you guys about just your general thoughts uh, around the the resiliency that we've seen from the market this year. (laughs) Howard, you want to take a stab or? Oh, you go first. Um, I'll say this, man, you know, we've heard for what decades now, don't fight the fed helicopter, Ben, and, you know, it's hard, man, because at some point, you know, I was trading NASDAQ during the bubble, um, like I exactly during the bubble. And I remember, you know, all of a sudden, you know, PEs fell out of vogue and it wasn't about valuations anymore. It was more about the clicks and the secret. And so at what point, you know, if there's no limited visibility on earnings, um, you know, at what point are valuation therefore the market tethered to reality? And what is that reality when there's limited visibility, but at the same time, you know, you can't fight the fed. And so I, I find it, very hard against my nature because my, my my nature is definitely want to start putting out feelers on the short side, which is suicide, obviously. But, you know, I, I got a friend, JC Peretz, you know, Howard, you know him well. He's just like, um, when stocks are going from bottom left to upper right, that generally is a sign that you should be buying. But at what point, you know, I think the last I checked, the forward multiple on Zoom was 800 or something nuts. Um, Peloton, uh, what Peloton, I don't think is even cash flow positive, Netflix, free cash flow negative. And just a lot of these names are just like, okay, well, I guess, yeah, here we are again. But at the same time, you don't want to step in front of these things and putting out shorts yet. So how do you short a market where there's no supply? Well, where the paper, where the paper's all locked up. I mean, think about it. What do you need to be a short seller? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll chime in here and saying like, we're now we're getting already really deep. We were one minute. We're talking about (laughs) next generation. Now you're talking about short and shit and supply, but the, uh, 
the thing is the market's got something for everybody. You don't have to play everything. Exactly. And you know, that part of the market's just like a giant game of dare. And we saw that, saw that play out with Kodak and yeah, you can play the game of dare and you can be long ahead of like Peloton, obviously going to end up diluting, you know, they should use their stock price to do some crazy things right now. So guess what? They will, or, or they will get, uh, you know, no different than Lulu having to go buy mirror at the last minute because they fell so far behind on these things. So they're, they're playing giant games of chess. You're kind of betting, you're, you're betting on their game of chess as it mm -hmm. goes on. Right. And, and that's fascinating, you know, probably why that chess show is so popular right now, the queen's gambit, right? Oh, yeah. It's like only in the market. Can you kind of hopefully and this, we're all playing armchair quarterback going, what should Jack fucking, why are we letting Jack Dorsey run two companies? He can't even run one. <laughs> or he's great at one. Why isn't he focused on one? And so the stock market is a giant armchair quarterback where we're all watching these guys play chess. Some of them don't even know that they're in the game of chess. They're just fucking, you know, the, the product's flying off the shelves because of the product team, but they haven't even started playing chess yet. And I think, you know, that's where we are. That's why these multiples are so high. So I try not to overthink this. It's just like the multiples are high for a reason, right? It's the Fed. It's it's these, 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 we've, we've moved beyond the spreadsheet in terms of growth. Uh, you can't contain these, these multiple, you can't contain these companies, you can't predict the growth rates. So there's no model that works. So they're trading at valuations that, uh, that eventually will either become the norm and we'll look back and go, fuck, discount of cash flow was a joke. Or we'll go back to some semblance of like, oh, interest rates rose and stocks go down. So we just don't know all that stuff, but I don't think kids need to learn how to short markets. I think the best thing that we tell kids is like cash is not a bad thing. And uh, having, you know, a year of, uh, of savings is not a bad thing. And you know what I mean? All the little things save for those. There's some great sayings that just aren't old enough, you know, that can be repeated. And, and that, you know, shorting stocks is kind of like a mug. There's no billionaire short sellers. Exactly. They are they're miserable fucks. And, <laughs> <laughs> and but I'm not against it. We all like to no. that we're smarter, and I'm guilty of it occasionally with small bets. But you know, it turns out to just drive you nuts. The the well, you know, great companies ride great companies, ride great founders. You know, and you know, I call it like the Peloton, right? Like if you watch, it'd be like someone riding the other way in the Peloton or wearing like a hoodie and like thick a thick parka trying to keep up with the Peloton. That's what short selling is. Like if you got a bunch of people moving smart in one direction, just get behind them and draft. And don't, exactly. Don't be too big a pig, but uh, follow the smart people and, and, and hug us, you know, stay in that formation of the Peloton and, and try and not create drag for everybody else. Like try and throw, you know, add some value to that Peloton. And that's where kind of social networks are at and mm -hmm chat it's like let's get this group together and let's cut some drag let's cut some wind and let's uh figure out this game uh, howard i want to ask you because i think i've heard you on your podcast say that you have one of those bikes correct to the peloton bikes i did i've ordered it seven times and canceled it seven times so i just canceled <laughs> it again they must fucking hate me at peloton yeah. uh but you know i just I, I don't think I'd use it. I keep ordering it. And then like they push the, the date back and I go, fuck that. I'll take the three grand back and, and, and I, you know, I'll keep riding my bike outside. 
but I think at some point I'll get one, but it's, I, I'm also like, I, I think I'm also over it at some level. I think there's like a great opportunity there and there was a great trade there. I think that great trade is a little long in the tooth, but I, I, you know, I could be wrong. Great founder, great company. I think it's, I think there's some risks more than, you know, it's a heavy duty hardware product still and it's expensive. So it's still a luxury. Yeah, for sure. I, I also, I wanted to ask you guys about the the news around the two companies that released or, yeah, released news that they have a high probability vaccines for COVID. And then we both seen a day later that the CEOs sold a large percent of shares uh, in the companies. Uh, was this just prudent of them? Is this a little, uh, I don't know, ethical concerns what, I, a little bit of both i'm just kind of curious what you guys think about this i'll comment just because I, I i i want to move to wall street bound and i'll say something before i have to hop but i apologize the i think people can get caught up in this news and this stuff i mean like i don't i don't trade biotechs i mean i think i think if you really look at the at the whole scope of thing america had to solve this problem because the politicians weren't going to solve this and people america's a big place and everybody's just we're lost, it seems, in, in, in the beast of being such a big country with so many opinions and, you know, a ticker, everybody's got a ticker tape and everybody's got a, a voice. And so, you know, wrong, wrong, wrong problem, wrong time. America's really, you know, showing their weakness. But the, the one thing we knew in America is like, it's in their interest to solve this. It's in corporate America's interest to solve this fucking problem fast. And sure enough, Look who does it. We didn't need government help. Pfizer's doing it. Um, the startup's doing it. I forget the company. So I, I try and not worry about what the founders are doing. I assume the game's rigged. I think the number one lesson that a young kid should learn is like, dude, you are the mug. <laughs> and, and as long as you realize you're the mark, you may just not be mad all the time at the machine. If you go to play pinball and you think the thing's gamed, you're not going to have as much fun, like, or it's space invaded or all the old games that I used to play. Um, and I'm hearing the same thing with Peloton, like people who are competitive by Peloton and they find out other people are amping their machines and everything's got a different output and that's turning people off their Pelotons because they're getting their ass kicked by their friends because they've juiced their Peloton in a different way, right? Like you have to assume you're the sucker, whether it's in a Peloton competitive thing with your friend or especially in the stock market when money's on the line. So I don't even think about the news. I just assume good news was you know somebody's making a buck off that good news why did they announce it when they like why did they announce it as much as i i'm not a trump fan why did they why did couldn't pfizer announced it a week before the election so so even though i'm not a conspiracy theorist you go bonkers trying to think you know all the things that go right or you could just say people are idiots it's just all a series of random events and there's a bunch of crooks out there for sure and that when you buy a stock that's your money and buyer beware and have a plan to get out because everybody's out to get you. That's kind of the way I look at the market. And I think if you have, if you learn that going in, I think you'll be a lot happier as an investor. Very well. Yes, for sure. For sure. Okay. So let, let's, let's hit on the, uh, on wall street bound on this charity poker tournament. Then however, when you jump off, we'll, we'll jump a little bit back more into trading Troy. So Troy, yeah. since the last time we've had you on, uh, man, like you've made a lot of progress. I feel like with wall street bounds, uh, despite this, you know, rough year uh, that's went on, uh, just speak to the progress you've made and how you and uh, Howard and Stockwood's connected. 
yeah, thanks for that, Ray. So actually, I um, I sought Howard out. Um, you know, Howard being who he is, and as he sort of laid out, you know, with his mission to democratize access to level the playing field, just his messaging on his own um, blog was just clear to me that, you know, this is a guy who was in it, but what gets it. And so I, if I recall, I think I just cold reached out to Howard and just said, hey man, this is what I'm working on. Um, you know, what do you think? And over the course of some weeks, months, we just started going back and forth and how it's been a, a fan and a supporter ever since. And so uh, Howard connect me with StockTwits, you know, and, and the basic principle again of StockTwits by extension of, of just where Howard's coming from is this idea of all of the sort of elitism, high convoluted, deep fundamental quantitative mathematics of the markets has nothing to do with these young people that now have access to information in a way that was never before possible. Commissions are free. Robinhood has just gamified it. You've got fractional share ownership. And somehow, intuitively, we all know that young people everywhere have the ability to figure this thing out. But yet, if you look at it through this microcosm of the Wall Street recruitment pipeline, um, what it takes to get on a trading desk, going to the 10 schools they recruit from, and even then 3.99 perfect SAT, and in the Glee Club, like, you know, that's what, 1% of the 1%? That has nothing to do with these young people that you know can break this thing apart, as Howard said, if you give them access to um, Robin Hood or a uh, or vape pipe, like <laughs> they can figure it out. And so uh, StockTwits is all about that idea of democratizing access information and trying to figure this thing out. And so it's just been a journey. And it's been interesting, man. You know, I spend a lot of my time just knocking on doors, trying to build relationships. And um, as you can imagine, not despite George Floyd, but because of it, you know, we started having more traction in fundraising during that three month hot period of the summer than, you know, we have since the year and a half since we launched. It just, it, I guess it makes sense. Our messaging, where we are, who we cater to, and based on principles that are just in um undeniable there's no debate talent and iq are equally distributed opportunity is not wall street bound is all about the idea finding talent meeting them where they are providing them with the skills and training they need to uh, have access to the game and just unleashing this wave onto the planet and yeah, so we've been fortunate yeah, I mean, it's genius in the sense that like, where Troy, first of all, he hit me up with a cold email. So, you know, they still work, um, but he had a compelling pitch from the beginning. And I, I just, he just, it just kept coming back to me because it just was so much common sense there. He was hitting, and he wasn't just cold pitching me a biotech play, he was pitching me something down, down Main Street. And I'm not captain of the charity team, not because I'm not, I'm obviously for charity, I'm not a billionaire, but uh, I'm all for, charity, but we're all busy doing our own thing. And we'd like to, if we can do something that's down the middle of the plate for us, which is where Wall Street Bound is, um, it was great. And so, you know, when I met Troy the first time after a few cold emails, I was like, you know, if you get to this point, I think this is a hit. And we had some, we had a brainstorm and he struggled 
as everybody does when they're asking for money, whether you're the best investor in the world raising money or whether you're a not-for-profit with the best idea in the world, it's brutal. And, you know, he just kept persisting and, and you know, uh, and, and in the end, that's all, it's all there. Like, you have to persist. Like, the, the, nothing, these organizations don't evolve, whether it's a startup company or a not-for-profit, uh, unless the idea is good. And even if the idea is good, you got to get the timing right. And then if you get the timing right, you still got to hit the right person. And then you still got to ask for the order. All the shit that you see in the movies, you know, and, you know, whether it was the Wall Street movie or, or the Facebook movie, you know. Um, so Troy did all that and then stumbled upon this fintit, fintwit community. And so now, now it's got some momentum, right? Like the, the message makes sense. The teaming with StockTwits makes sense. You know, Rishi, our CEO at StockTwits, got it. Phil Perlman, who ran community and knows everybody in the community, got it. And so you finally stumble upon the right people if you keep pushing. And then just shit starts happening on the Internet and we're raising some money. And and Troy will get, you know, get the job done and get people on board. You know, the more people play the game, the better, as Troy says. Uh, there's room for everybody. The Fed's printing money for everybody. Everybody gets a car. It's like Oprah. <laughs> or it's like Ellen, the show. Everybody gets some dollars. So you might as well learn how to how to make something with the dollars. So I think that's a good mission. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the poker tournament coming up this weekend, a Troy will fill you in on is just a fun way to, you know, raise awareness for the idea and for the good cause, which is, we all win if we onboard more people. We don't need more suckers. We just need more people playing the game well and speaking the language. So I said, like, we all, we were told to speak Chinese and Spanish. Guess what? English is the language. And English has never been more the language because tech is an English language, right? If you're in Japan, that's why their stock market took 30 years to kind of break out again. And they're still 50% from all-time highs because they speak another language that no one else is speaking. The only thing they got going for them is they got a stock market that speaks in one language, price, buy and sell. But, you know, so U.S., that is the language. So we're finally coming to terms with that fact. It's not a dirty thing. And people need to know to talk about money and where it fits into the world. And, yeah, it may not buy happiness, but it sure buys a lot of uh, it sure buys a lot of things. And sometimes you need those things to get to the next level. And so who are we to judge? you know, who gets to learn this language. So I think that's been the big mystery. Wall Street packaged that up and, and Troy was part of that. And they packaged that game up behind a wall and told you how complicated it is. And now we've gone the other way and told people, oh, don't, you know, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Just put it in these 500 stocks and be vanilla like everybody else. And we're seeing that could unwrap. And so, so I think we're saving ourselves a lot of headache right now by teaching people how to do this. It's, you know, we went from trade everything to just give it to Vanguard and now we're moving back towards maybe you should not just do not maybe it's not a good idea that everybody in America owns the same fucking 500 stocks <laughs> you know what I mean like maybe there's some risk in that and we might have saved ourselves a lot of money if we teach kids that maybe exactly. Vanguard isn't the only answer we may be saving ourselves from the next crisis so there there you have it I'm gonna sorry I take up all that time I'm gonna hop but Troy bring it home all right, thanks, for, thanks for creating Wall Street Bang Ray. JJ, thanks for having me on. All right, Howard, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, you know, Troy, we were, you know, talking along these lines of, you know, bridging the gap between 
you know, Wall Street and the urban community. We, you came into our room earlier today and, you know, this is something JJ's always told to me and I, I know you agree with it as well is that some of the best traders that you guys have known weren't like Ivy League guys, you know, and so and I think it's great, like giving people this chance and just on this, like, why, why do you think uh, maybe people from not like a, um, you know, Ivy League background or like real high academic uh, that academic honors uh, turned out to be good traders. Um, wow, that's a lot to unravel. You know, I would say, you know, we kind of all know, like the, the running joke in the community is like, you know, doctors turn out to be the worst traders and investors because all of that academic achievement translates into an uh, over confidence and overinflated sense of intelligence whereas we know at the end of the day you know iq is only part of that story of what it takes to succeed in general much less in the markets if anything i think it can be well argued from a data standpoint that the best traders turn out to be not the ones with the highest iq because then that you know then you start having other conversations about ego um you know where does where does where does confidence begin or end versus being disciplined? And this idea, well, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Next thing you know, you're averaging down and you know your mind or the, you know, you know you should not be, but I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot to unravel there, but I, I guess at the end of the day, we know that the qualities that it takes to succeed in life and in the markets are not necessarily limited to IQ, intelligence, et cetera. And I think that's where that conversation begins. Right, right. If I can just sure. hop in for just a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to what you're saying and I've, I've been in this business since 1993 and uh, I know thousands of traders and I would have to say street smarts is the number one thing, the number two thing is how bad you want it and how mm. far you're willing to go to get it. Because if you're not willing to rip the other guy's heart out and eat it in front of him on that floor, on that desk, in that deal, you are dog meat. So that's what trading's about. It's about being street smart. It's about being, you have to be the dog that's willing to die in the fight. And I'm not talking about retail trading. I'm talking about when, you know, when we're trading size. Right. Retail trading. And I've found, you know, running the room and, and, and speaking to a lot of people, it's the people who want it and the people who are willing to put in the discipline to actually learn what's going on. And, and that's what I find with retail people, with institutional guys. It's it's definitely it's definitely street smarts. I mean, one of the one of the most smartest traders I've ever known um, used to dig pools for a living <laughs> before he was a trader. You know, um, and he uh, he was just absolutely amazing, but he was very street smart, you know. You know, JJ, man, thanks for that, because that is exactly the heart of the why Wall Street Bound came to mind and why I know it will succeed, because what traditional Wall Street may view as negative attributes of what young, hungry talent, let's say from the community, from the streets possesses, we completely turned that on its head. Yeah. You know, it's that hunger exactly. and a mind 
mind you, it's a certain level of hunger because we as people of color, you know, everyone, ambition obviously is irrespective of zip code, but mm -hmm. imagine growing up in neighborhoods and having experiences where you're on the outside of the outside looking in and you know what you want. You see it on TV. You, you see it. You take the train downtown. You know what mm -hmm. it can be like. And so imagine where you can turn that into not only something positive, but unleash it with simply providing the education and the training much exactly. less. For example, Wall Street Bound, we have been fortunate to, you know, I'm very intentional about this process. So I heard at some point that uh, Ray Dalio at uh, Bridgewater, that as part of their interview process, or I think it's maybe the onboarding process, all interviewees or all employees uh, do take a behavioral assessment. Um, done by this firm called Predictive Index. And so I knew right away, okay, I'm going to go all over that. And so far, our most recent, the Diverse Trader Training Program, our prop trading program, where we're just recruiting literally off the street. Um, now, normally, you know, a lot of the applicants tend to be inner city college students, but more so than that traditional Wall Street, um, what they care about. I'm all about mm -hmm. how does your brain work? How do you think? Yeah. How do you problem solve? Because that's what I know is the universal. That's what I know these kids have regardless of where they are. And so all applicants, you know, the Dr. Van K. Tharp, you know, the godfather mm -hmm. of brain psychology, they exactly. all take his uh, trader type exam. They okay. all take Myers-Briggs. They all get a predictive index behavioral assessment. That's what I want to look at. And I think that's the thing that makes this an interesting story versus all of the traditional metrics cool. that wall street looks at i mean listen at the end of the day and jj you bring up a great point you know i don't want to sort of like just preach but it's interesting to me that for example firms owned by women and minorities manage only 1.3 percent of assets of the 69 trillion managed by the uh by the industry by asset managers mm. even though we all know not even we all know uh the data shows that performance is not statistically different from the industry as a whole. And when you break that down, uh, let's say specifically uh, for hedge funds, hedge funds controlled or managed by minority or female leaders had a return of, I think it's just about 6.6% over the last three years compared to 3.9% for their peers. And I don't mean to blow you guys out, but I'll just say, obviously their peers meaning white males. And so this idea of, you know, traditional Wall Street, somehow there's a disconnect between the social capital aspect, you know, Charlie Scharf infamously, what, two months ago said, we can't find them. And so 85% we know of jobs are filled within a social network. And so there's all yeah. these things that are within the traditional sort of pipeline. And, you know, I'm not about really whining about it because that, that is what it is. I focus on what I can do, where I can affect change. And, you know, to Howard's point and all of us being here, your community, all of us traders, it's a wonderful place where we're in a rare industry where the more participants you have, the better vis-a-vis -vis liquidity. Exactly. So, you know, sorry, you guys, no, I was going to say one more, one last thing is that we, so the talent is virtually unlimited. Yeah. Capital is virtually unlimited the playing field is virtually limited vis-a-vis -vis, again liquidity let's bring those two together and not exactly. just 
be blocked by this traditional wall of 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 the social capital as important as it is we can go beyond simply the idea of creating jobs or sending them for jobs on wall street but let's broaden the yeah. network broaden the game sorry jj no 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 problem no i just just I, I you probably didn't know but i'm sri lankan so i'm a brown guy so i i know exactly what you know i you know so that that so you guys know that uh the other thing is when you were looking at uh at finding these people do you do any sort of testing or is there any sort of way to see how they handle stress um stress so not directly now so i'm beginning to work with or actually be i wouldn't say advised by but one of the world's most famous trained psychologist dr brett steenbarger yeah we had about the show oh that's right 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 of course of course of course so dr brett we speak um often he actually just I have a weekly uh, check-in with my traders in the prop program. So he just spoke last Friday. And so, you know, he'll tell you, be able to explain more of how that comes out in some of these assessments and how it can be picked up or not. But at the end of the day, quite frankly, JJ, as you well know, brother, the only real way to see how stress is managed, because it even, you know, simulated trading does not Live do it. Fire. So it's you really gotta put only them. once you have that live um, and how they handle it. And so, you know, the idea of like, you can't sleep. Okay. That's everything in your body telling you, you probably need <laughs> to reduce your position size or if you like the idea of trading large share size for your ego, yeah. you yeah. need to look for lower volatility assets or names. Um, but yeah, man, it's doesn't, yeah. there's no pre-test directly, but clearly the test of our program through this one year program where everyone is given. So, no other program out there says we'll train you virtually and upon, uh, let's call it graduation. Uh, the stock options training is 250 hours. The foreign exchange training is a hundred hours. And upon graduation, let's call it, you have $25,000 of live capital. And you're expected to be managing a quarter million after a year. Nothing like this exists, but I don't know why it's the most natural thing to me because I guess of the story, but that's all to say that once you start them off small and see how they react. You yeah. know, we yeah, no. know there's some yeah. responsibility there in terms of how fast you push them along to that point of increasing position sizes, increasing the number of shares they can trade, increasing the number of positions at any given time. So I think the real long-winded way of just saying, listen, man, we just have to see them under uh, in, in, in that environment before we really know, and that'll dictate how far along they get pushed or how fast. Well, yeah, it's like they said in the movies, right? You got to put them in the shit, you know, see how they react, right? Because That's when it. you're in live fire, it's it's completely different. I've had to actually walk over in a training room and kick a chair because guys would freeze. Um, you know, I, I've had those situations. So it's, it's just curious to see, um, you know, the di- business is much more calmer nowadays and, and you don't have that that sort of craziness that we did back in the day, but uh, it's always interesting to see how you train guys and things like that. I'm very, very curious and uh, would love to, uh, to help out in any way. I really, really like um, how, how you've, you know, put this together. It's quite a wonderful thing. Appreciate it, man. I'm just um, trying to do the best I can um, with what I think works. And so, you know, I reached out to Dr. Van K. Tharp, of course, um, the psychology aspect, I think, is vastly underrated. 
everyone wants to focus and talk about, you know, oscillators, indicators, deep fundamental, quantum mental, but you know, that all goes to shit. When you do all your homework, you put on a trade, you get shaken out. Like, what was the point of all that? Um, and so, you know, it gets deep, man. I remember reading, it might've even been a Dr. Alexander Elder book. Um, you know, I remember stories of like a guy, um, has a has a, a habit or pattern of um, the first two or three weeks of the month, he's profitable, he ends up giving it away. And of course, initially he thinks, oh, it's the market, the news came out, earnings, not realizing it's a pattern. And one day he's like, okay, something is off. Finally, he, he finds it within himself to speak to a trading coach or a shrink. Turns out he has some deep-seated issues with being more successful than his dad. I mean, like, that's the stuff that really is a driver of all this. There's only one way to get there. And that's to look at this holistically. So we have to look at all aspects, not just the technical training. And again, man, I'm just trying to give these kids the best shot, the best training I know how, and to unleash this talent on the world. Cause I know it's out there. I mean, I grew up in the Bronx and um, you know, you, you, you sometimes, or a lot of times it might not be directed into the most positive things and, 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 good for society but even then it's like it's the same marketing skills the same entrepreneurial skills it's it's the same stuff absolutely and absolutely and to, to speak to the the psychology aspect troy i um i, I was very fortunate to work with a uh, a trading coach myself recently who we had on our podcast shout out to kim uh -huh. and you know when i talked to her troy was nothing a, a trading of nature you know, like, and it's like, how could my trading improve? And I didn't even talk to her about trading, you know, and I, I totally uh, agree 100% with what you're saying. And I, you know, I read the, I believe it was the article that you had with um, Market the Wall Watch. Uh, the Wall, you know her, yeah? Yeah, we yeah. just spoke for the first time yesterday, man. That's crazy. Oh, no way. Oh, man. Shout out to Kim. No, honestly, she, she's amazing. She helped me um, just even beyond trading. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's the thing, too, I believe, like, like, uh, and I think you would agree, Troy, because I, I want to read a quote that I, I read um, in the article um, they had. And you said the first step along the journey of trading is not mastery of concept or mastery of analysis. It's mastery, mastery of self, mastery of self. Right. So, you know, just speaking from your own experience, Troy, as a trader, how would you go about uh, mastering yourself? Um. That's called an ex-wife. <laughs> Quite frankly, uh -huh. up to some point, I looked in the mirror and thought I saw like, you know, I, I'm, I'm five, seven on a good day, but I saw like, you know, eight foot Adonis. And she was <laughs> like, um, no, if you don't go talk to somebody, I'm going to leave your black ass. And um, that began my journey. <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to say it was my 15 years of living in Asia, which is part of it now. So I do now meditate. Um, I'm absolutely on board with this idea of, you know, this idea of finding that space where, I don't, I don't want to sound kooky, but the idea that there <laughs> is connectivity between uh, us as people on earth and the universe and all this kind of, you know, just, I guess what is commonly known as mindfulness this idea of slowing it down inside and realizing, first off, the important thing, I don't know if, if Kim speaks about this, Ray, but 
the biggest, the first thing is to realize or to become what's called the watcher where you can see yourself and have that pause where there's some stimuli, you know, a guy steps on my foot on the train before I just say, what the fuck and punch is like, there is a moment to sort of take stock that I have a choice in how I react, why I'm reacting a certain way. And that begins that process of slowing down that space there between reactions. And you can actually begin to see and hear yourself. And once that space begins to get longer, then it gets quiet. And so it, it, it's been a journey. I'm an old man now, 49, five, you know, 15 years in Asia. Um, but it started off with my Japanese wife saying, um, you need a leather sofa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Troy, exactly. I mean, that, that's a lot of, you know, what I talked to, to Kim about is, yeah. Um, and, I, and I meditate as well, Troy. And I mean, it, it's, tr- it's tremendous. I think a lot of things just come down to, to presence. Wow. Seeing yourself, you know, like you said, like not okay to feel so like the guy steps on my foot I could be pissed off right but it's uh, am I going to act on it or you know it, it's it's okay to feel a certain way and I think that was a big thing that I took away from it well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing Ray is like most people I don't think recognize that when you react to situations your brain tells you you're reacting to the stimuli in front of you but you don't really realize that you're really reacting to that boy or girl from ages zero mm. to seven right. that learns certain mechanism, defensive or not, how to handle situations. And we quite haven't, we don't necessarily outgrow these things without a supreme level of self-awareness. And, you know, we react to things based on just, um, you know, what we learn from ages zero to seven. You know, the ancient Greeks used to say, show me the boy, you know, we'll add girl now. I'll show you the man. I mean, this is 2000 year old wisdom. Yeah. That's just what it is. And so how do you break that stuff down? And you, you know, the word you use, man, presence is massive. You know, it's just, how do you slow it down to recognize that we actually are the masters of ourselves? Um, yeah, but he stepped on my toe. And, no, how you react is on you. And particularly for us as traders, like if you don't learn that lesson from not even day one, second one, that you are responsible for your own behaviors. I mean, the rest is just forget about the analysis, forget about market mm-hmm. fundamentals and mechanics. It's you have to be responsible for your own behavior. And once you get that, the rest is, then it becomes the other 20% of like, you know, market mechanics. Yeah, right, right. I, it's just, it's just, it never ceases to amaze me that this concept, and I, and I first learned it, Troy, with a poker player who was far more experienced than myself. And he was telling me, he's like, Ray, like poker is a means for self-discovery. And there's so many, there's so many similarities between poker and trading from the mental aspect of things. It's exactly the same almost, right? Cause you're gonna have to learn how to deal with failure. Uh, which I think is a big point to what we were talking about with people with high academic honors. They're so used to like, getting everything right, being the best, being the best. And like trading, we have to learn with failing, right? I mean, the same thing with life. You, you Things don't are, are never going to go 100% perfect. And learning how to respond to those type of events, um, you know, it's, I don't know, I just see so many different correlations and it's a, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. For sure, man. I mean, even the best traders in the world probably have what, 60-40 win-loss ratios at best? At best, right, at best, right. You no, know, Paul Tudor Jones, I, I, you know, I, I forget what it was in, in, in Market Wizards, but 
And I absolutely remember, I mean, some of the best guys in there were, were, were 50s, you know, maybe not even 60%. And um, losing is a part of the game, but as long as you have a game plan mapped out, it actually, it's, you always win. You know, you win if it goes in your direction, you cash out. If you have a plan, you get stopped out, you win. And so as long as it's within, you know, but to bring it back, man, this is the conversation I love to have as opposed to, you know, the conversations I have with a Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley, you know, I'm not recruiting and looking for black and brown kids from UPenn, Harvard. That's not, that's not where I want to play. It's yeah. these kids, wherever they are, that for whatever reason, based on where they grew up, how they grew up, you know, projects, you know, dad's not home, but for whatever reason, the universe has created a, a behavior system, a way of problem solving that absolutely can make them successful in this space. Those are the ones I want to find. And we know they're out there by the millions. That's what Wall Street Inbound is about. And so to this, you know, it's a conversation that we can have with all traders everywhere that understand. And so the idea that entry to the game is limited to, you know, 10 schools, 399 perfect SAT scores and squash club is ludicrous to me. Yeah, it is. It is, man. And it's, you know, Troy, I appreciate the energy, man. And like what you're bringing and just to see from like a, a year ago, man, and now we got this charity poker tournament with Stock Twits. I mean, that's a big deal. They're a big, uh, you know, big name in the retail trading uh, community, or just the trading community in general, you know. And so that's awesome. That tournament is this weekend, 21st, uh, Saturday at 2 p.m., correct, Troy? Saturday at 2 p.m. Um, yeah, thanks much. Lots of good things have happened. You know, we're official partners with Investopedia as well. Uh, we're having conversations with uh, NYSE, FINRA, NASDAQ Foundation. I'll be hosting courses from the Chicago Merck, the CME Group. Nice. Um, yeah, just great quality conversations, but around this idea of leveling the playing field, making the education and the training available. But last but not least, uniquely with my uh, most recent program that we uh, you know, announced in June on CNBC is taking it beyond the financial literacy, the education, but actually providing these young people with access to capital and just unleashing that on the planet. And I'm just excited for uh, what the future holds. And I'm excited to, you know, to have a platform like this where I can continuously uh, spread the message because I can't do it alone. It's important for me to constantly be looking and finding allies and just spread the message because we're still a startup, but I'm grateful to both you guys for having me back. And, you know, again, to your community, it's all about whatever color you are, wh wherever you may be, whatever zip code, your zip code should not determine your ability to have the future you want based on this small window of traditional Wall Street recruiting metrics. And Wall Street Bound is about kicking open that damn door for all of us. Because I grew yeah. up 12 miles from New York Stock Exchange, the greatest economic engine on earth, and yet the poorest congressional district in America. You know, how can that be? It's an hour away. And so it is dear and near to me. This is what I'm on earth to do. And just thank you for the platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so again, the, for the listeners, the poker tournament is this Saturday, November 21st. Start at 2 p.m. Uh, I'm, host, I'm hosting a portion of it. Troy, thanks for, you know, getting me into this. I'm, uh, you know, real happy to be, you know, amongst Jack. Jack well, Swagger. 
How can I not, man? I mean, Ray, as a former pro, um, I, mean, I would be crazy not to. And uh, Ray, are we going to um, put into the chat or should I just, is it okay to uh, shout out chips for charity, one word, .com? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, I'll, I'll throw it in with the link uh, for the podcast. Um, we'll, we'll throw that in there. We'll put all the information for this tournament uh, for all the listeners. Perfect. And if anyone wants to uh, get to me and check out more about the org or find me, wallstreetbound, one word, dot org. Wall Street Bound, like heading towards uh, one word, wallstreetbound.org. Thank you so much. All right. Excellent. Excellent. And also <laughs> for the listeners, I got JJ to come play the tournament now. So you guys know this guy's, you know, this is easy money. Stock Twits told me I put a bounty <laughs> on his head. So anyone who knocks him out, I'm sending $100 to. <laughs> so uh, that, that's that he doesn't even know the hand rankings so you know this should i be have no idea i just gonna bring oreos that's all i know that's that's <laughs> all my whole poker reference is teddy kgb that's it yeah yeah so that should be fun i know you know troy i know uh, a few members so far from our room are coming over to come play i know kim i tried to get her to play but she she donated at least she doesn't know how to play poker but she she donated nice <laughs> nice nice and i don't either <laughs> Let everyone yeah. know. I mean, we'll have like, you know, uh, downtown Josh Brown. Yep. Yeah. Playing uh, Jack Schwager, uh, Denise Schull, like some big names, Fed Speak, like some big names in the space. Just out here just for a good cause, mm -hmm. having fun. Um, I think you and I will be hosting, uh, you know, maybe even have a beer or two on air if we're allowed. Is that okay? Um, if hey, it's, this, is, this is your thing, right? I mean, yeah. Okay. No, no. It'll be my coffee mug. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll make sure I'll make sure I come prepared as well. It's gonna be a lot of fun, Troy. Uh, you know, I love poker. And I, I love this cause. A lot of big, a lot of big names. This will be a lot of fun. Anything we missed, Troy? Anything else you want the listeners to know? No, I think we covered it all, man. Just um, happy trading. Um, you know, think, look, think about just, um, you know, getting Yeah, yeah, I'm so there. I don't know. Did we lose Troy? I think we did. Oh, hey, Troy, you still there? I don't know if we, I can't hear you. No, we hit it all, man. Just Wall Street bound, regardless of what zip code you're from, we're all about kicking that door open and making this game available to all. My oh, man, excellent. All right, so that's going to conclude today's episode of Confessions of a Market Maker. If you guys enjoyed the show, please rate and review it for us. If you want to learn market auction theory, market profile, trade futures, trade equities, join JJ and I at microefutures.com. So for Troy Prince, for Howard Lindzen, I'm the Superman lover. He's the heartthrob of Saskatchewan. Make sure you use him stop, so. Good night, everyone. All right. See you, Troy. Thank you. Well...